He's just repositioned. Oh, I see a side sleeper too, y'all. Tim, what do you think about ladies first? As far as you want to be more specific. As far as everything. Like you open a door, a woman goes first. You go to dinner, she should eat first. You pull out a chair because she should sit first. Like the entire idea of ladies first. What do you think about that? I think it's good, but I don't always do it. Like my wife constantly complains that I finish, I like destroy meals, like right when I sit down and how I'll hold the door sometimes. And sometimes I'll do that thing that dudes do where you hold the door behind you until the other person grabs it. All right. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's not a fan of that. Oh, but I, I, I should, I probably should do better. Thanks for calling me out. Appreciate it. <laughs> so the reason why I'm asking or talking about this is because in Japan, there's no idea of ladies first, like absolutely none. Like it's not a thing. Nobody knows what the fuck that is. Like you go into, I don't know, a train and there'll be an open seat and men will rush to the seat and they'll sit down and they won't let women sit. <laughs> it's so fucking weird because you have this imagination and impression that Japanese people are nice and polite and kind, but there's no sense of ladies first. If a couple is on a train and there's one seat, the woman will offer the seat to the man and the guy will fucking take it. It's weird. Wow. It's really weird. I'm sounding pretty fucking great now. Yeah, if you come to Japan, nobody will think you're an asshole. So <laughs> so that's a benefit and leg up for you if you come to Japan. <laughs> no ladies first about anything. Not a single fucking thing. So when you do ladies first, it's really strange for them. And women here, like they get overwhelmed with like, oh my God, he's such a nice guy. He's such a gentleman. He's but like for us, it's like normal. Like even some strange woman, I don't know. If I'm walking and I have to open a door and there's a woman near me, I'll open the door and let her go first. It's not a big deal to me. I don't give a shit. Like I don't even think about it. But for them, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, he's so great. And so it's really <laughs> really weird if i get on a train there's one seat if there's if i'm approaching the seat and there's a woman approaching the seat and if i let her have the seat like suddenly her eyes like wide open up wide like an anime (laughs) 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 it's it's very very strange that's incredible yeah we think of japan as being like this place where manners and etiquette and all that shit is like you know at the highest level in the world, but there's absolutely no sensibility about ladies first. When we have dinner with my father-in-law, as soon as the food comes, he doesn't wait for anybody, for anything, he starts eating. <laughs> He's, it's like normal. It's like a normal thing. It freaked me the fuck out at first. I was like, can't you wait for everybody to have their food? Before we've gotten our food, he's already finished. <laughs> it's weird, really weird. Okay, the second thing is, In North America, it always struck me as odd, especially at Mike's house and other people's houses in especially Western New York, people wear shoes inside the house. Like, so in my house, I come from like a family with an ethnic background. You removed shoes inside the house as a matter of respect, not as a matter of cleanliness. In Japan, you never, ever, ever wear shoes in a house. Every single house has an entranceway with like a drop down. So you leave your shoes there and you step up into the house because the logic is when you're outside, your feet step on things that are dirty. For example, not only dog poop, but just dirt and dust. And who knows what's happened outside before you step there, like viruses and bacteria. All that stuff should never enter the house. So you never wear shoes in a home to preserve the home. 
And when you step into a Japanese home, inside the home, you'll notice how fucking clean and spotless they are relative to North American homes. Uh, what do you think about shoes indoors? Shoes indoors are bullshit. Like, I don't know why all these people we knew walked through the house with their shoes on. Like, I never did that at my house. And like, but always like mics or anywhere like that, they were like, yeah, just leave your shoes on. And like, yeah, like like my wife would go bananas if I left my shoes on. So it's to an extreme here where if you ever step foot on the inside of a house with your shoe on, people would freak out. Like, hey, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's like a, a absolute faux pas. So you leave the house, you forgot your keys, you're going to run back in and grab your key, you take your shoes off. Don't fucking wear your shoes inside the house. It's like extreme. And so it's like to like a crazy level. It's very, very important. And so one of the things that results from that is, okay, what about the bathroom? So when I, you go into any bathroom in any house, any proper house, there's a pair of slippers inside the bathroom. What? You wear the slippers. Yeah. You wear the slippers so that, for example, if you and I live together, sometimes you pee and you miss the toilet. There's pee on the ground. Yeah. I don't want your pee to go on my feet. So that's why there's slippers just for the bathroom. Oh, that actually makes sense. Yeah, it's a very, very clean system, very organized system. So in every, almost every home here, you'll find actually every home. I don't think I've been in a home where there haven't been slippers inside the bathroom. They're like communal slippers. You slip them on. Everybody like usually wears socks. So you wear socks, you go in the home, and then when you go to the bathroom, there's slippers inside the bathroom, and then you wear the slippers and you go in. So huh. indoor shoes, toilet slippers. Okay, next. If you're a guest in my house, when you come to my house and you remove your shoes before you stand up on the level to get inside the house, you take your shoes and you face them outward. Can you guess why? You face them outward? Yeah, face them towards the front door, not inwards towards the house. Like you, when you walk into the house, your feet are facing forward, right? Yeah. And so then you take off your shoes and then you step up. But then you turn around. You bend down, take your shoes, and turn them the other way so they're facing outwards. So that you make less steps into the house when you put them back on to leave? No, it means you're a guest, and this is not your space. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really interesting. And so if you walk into somebody's house and you do that, immediately they're like, oh, thank you very much. Or, wow, you're so polite. Or you have such good manners. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I feel like you get a lot of layups for really easy things there. Yes, yes. It's very simple to follow. And actually, a lot of them have deep reasons. Some of the things don't have reasons, but a lot of the things that are reasoned in logic. And so if you know the logic, it makes sense. You'd want to do it anyways. Okay, so house shoes, toilet slippers. Next, chopsticks. Chopsticks is a disaster. So first of all, when we eat, knife, spoons, forks, sporks, whatever the fuck we use, whenever we eat rice or something like that, we'll put it in the food, we'll put it in our mouth, and then we'll put it back in the food. And then maybe we talk at the table with the spoon or the fork inside the food. In Japan, you never do that with chopsticks. Never, ever, ever, ever. You don't leave the chopsticks in the food. It's like the, it's a taboo. It's a big thing. You do it in a, in a place with your friends and people are like, hey, 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 hey. Like, and it's changing for young people. But for people our age and older, it's an extreme taboo. And the reason is here, when somebody dies, it's customary or tradition to leave a bowl of food at their gravesite, like a bowl of rice or something, and you put chopsticks in the food and you leave it at their gravesite and it's for them to eat. Oh, cool. And so putting chopsticks, yeah, putting chopsticks in the food is a sign that this is food for the dead. 
And so it's a bad omen to do that. Kind of interesting, huh? Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. And then when you point at people while you're eating or you're talking and you're using gestures, you never point at them with your chopsticks. You fold your chopsticks nicely on top of the dish that you're, whatever the dish is that you're using or on the chopstick tray, there's like a little tray. And then you can talk with your hands and point and discuss, but you never point at somebody with your chopsticks. It's incredibly bad manners. Huh. Yeah. So like, these are like a couple of things that I think most North American people have no ideas about. But is there anything that you're curious about to know about Japanese manners? I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Like, well, <laughs> this this is like a big thing here, but it's not manners. It's just how you can spot an asshole. And okay. like when you're at the grocery store, the people that don't put their shopping carts back in the shopping corral and just leave them like out by the car they'll like lean them against the car next to them or just leave them out in the open instead of taking right. them back like like that thing happens constantly and like people get called out for it all the time and okay I'm, so as do you know there's that's no way there's happening in japan because when we went to the world cup not only did the people clean up their seats after themselves they cleaned up after other people who didn't clean up oh yeah i remember i remember seeing that Right, that was a big thing. So you don't have that here. That like you'll never see that here. I've never seen that here. And so there's a, a big thing about garbage too. Like for example, let's say I buy something. The convenience stores are everywhere. So let's say I buy something at a convenience store and it's like in a wrapper. I take the wrapper and every convenience store has a garbage can. But outside in the streets and the public, there's no garbage cans. There's like nowhere. You keep your garbage until you get home and you put it in your home garbage. That's the proper thing to do. And the level of cleanliness, considering we have a city of 30 million plus, is fucking ridiculous. That is crazy. Everybody believes that I take self-responsibility to ensure that it's clean. Of course, there's assholes and people throw on the ground sometimes. But like, it's very rare. Very, very, very rare. So I don't know if that comes from their family training or school training or whatever. But if you're out with somebody and they drop something, that's considered to be like an absolute sign. Like this person's a fucking prick or an asshole. I can't think of the equivalent in North America to explain like how somebody's an asshole. But like that's a super, super asshole thing to do. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's what it should be. That's what it should be, right? So when my daughter went to America and she was doing her YouTube stuff, uh, they were all amazed. Her and her team were all amazed that every 10 meters, there are garbage cans everywhere. And yet there's fucking people throwing garbage all over the floor. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what the fuck? Why, did, why can't you just walk over the garbage can? So that was a big surprise to them. Huge surprise. Okay, the reason we're talking about all this gentlemanly stuff or about manners is because in today's match, we're going to talk about a guy whose gimmick is to do gentlemanly things. But before we talk about him, we're going to talk about the promotion that he worked for. And the promotion that he worked for is Wrestle Circus. I love the visual demonstration, the promo material, the look of this indie. I thought it was excellent, but I don't know fuck all about Wrestle Circus. Jim, can you tell me about Wrestle Circus? Yeah, it was a promotion out of Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. It ran for like three years, like I think 2016 to 2019. And um, they just had this big top feel to it. And it relied heavily on um, independent talent 
both in Texas and abroad. And I think they really had no guys they could call their own. And I think that long-term, that probably really hurt them. And so they shut down because of the pandemic? I don't think so. I think they just shut down because they ran out of cash. Like they just couldn't make it. That's a shame. It's a they, could, they couldn't draw enough people. It's a shame because it's beautiful and it looks great on TV for a independent. It looks really, really good on film. They put a lot of money into producing it well. They had lots of different camera angles. I guess, you know, as time passes with an iPhone, you could film great fit- footage now, right? Like you could really film yeah. Yeah, something really well with an iPhone. So I guess uh, maybe it's like an overstatement to say they invested a lot, but they had the production done really well for this show. I thought it was excellent. 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 Yeah. Really, really good. I would like to see it come back. Like I thought it was a cool concept. Agreed. I thought it was excellent. Excellent. Okay. And then today in today's match, we've got uh, two guys that are very interesting. But before we get into them, I wanted to mention, I thought the commentary was really, really, really good. Jim, do you know who's commentating on this match? I couldn't, I'm surprisingly, I couldn't find it anywhere. I looked all over and I couldn't find any information on who's commentating. Yeah, they were good. I don't know if it was a promoter. Yeah, they were solid. They were were, were good. Yeah, I, I think, you know, they knew enough about the background to understand what was going on. And I'm not sure if they were involved in the process of building the match, but they were on top of everything. They didn't have like that Bobby Heenan wit and humor, or they didn't have like good one-liners. They just followed the action well. And I thought it was a very, very reasonable job. Very fair. Very fair. Very, very good. Yes. Okay. So the match features two guys. One guy we've already talked about before. He was in, I think, Indie Phenom, who became breakout star, who I think could have become the next Steve Austin in America, but I think AEW totally fucked his booking. I really think he had the potential to be like The Rock because he's, you know, it doesn't matter if you're young or old or black or white or, you know, uh, smart or not smart. Everybody could fall in love with what he was doing because it's very easy to understand. He appeals to the mass audience. It's a very easy gimmick. I thought it was outstanding. I'm a big fan of Orange Cassidy. Unfortunately, it just hasn't gotten over like I thought he would get over. He's over, but not like I Well, he still he still might. Like he has a belt now. He has like the equivalent of like the Intercontinental title mm-hmm. in AEW and he's winning some matches. But yeah, like he was like on the cusp of being a main event guy all the time. I thought he could have broken through beyond wrestling. Like I thought he was that that like you know yeah yeah stellar outstanding okay and the other guy in this match gentleman jervis i don't know much about him i know he has a big big indie background he's from chikara right he worked in chikara yes yeah and so what about this guy's career can you tell us anything about him yeah he's he's wrestled um in chikara and on the indies like he doesn't wrestle as jervis anymore like Mm -hmm. once in a great while he's he's tried to go it on his own as his regular no mask gimmick Mm -hmm. um the the closing of Chikara with the sexual allegations, I think, really hurt him. I don't know if he was involved I or I, I'm not speaking on that, right. but I think that really put a damper mm. on his potential. I see. I see. That's a shame because as far as this gimmick goes, you know, I think it's an indie gimmick, right? It, it's an indie gimmick. but you, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but you could tell he's got something. Like, it's not refined. 
It's not polished, but he's got something. He's on the cusp of something here. It's just he hasn't put the pieces together perfectly. Like looking at this match, you can see Orange Cassidy. He's also like at the early stages of working this gimmick out, but he figured out how to take that and bring it to a national scale. I think Jervis, with a little bit of tweaks and an adjustment to the mask, like get rid of the mask, make his hair like a 1920s hairstyle, wear like a a top hat and a suit and just do the gentlemanly thing, it might work. It might actually get him over, like doing this. Oh, I definitely think so. Yeah, I thought it was excellent. Very, very, very good. Very good. Okay, so the match. Let's get into the match. The match starts with a hug (laughs) because that's what a gentleman does. I don't know if that's what a gentleman does. I've known Jim for 30 years. (laughs) When we meet, we hug because we don't see each other very often. But if I see my friends regularly, I don't typically hug them and i don't think that's a gentlemanly thing to do what do you think about the hug the handshake is the gentlemanly thing right right agreed i agreed i thought a handshake would have been a better start but okay it's it's funny it's cute (laughs) you know the crowd likes it i think oh good no no problem but but very strange okay then this is the early stages of orange cassidy putting things together and you remember when we did the pock match he built up and he built a lot of like tension in the crowd before he put his hands in his pocket. But here he kind of goes to his hands in his pocket relatively quickly without a lot of buildup. And I think he doesn't realize what he has here at this time, but uh, it's good. It's very good. It's early. It's really good. Uh, I like it. And I think, you know, he's just working stuff out here. What'd you think? I think it's interesting to go back in retrospect and see these early orange Cassidy matches where he uses like orange juice to power up or he doesn't quite have the hands in the pocket gimmick done yet. And to just to see him evolve and like, not to just go, this isn't working. I'm going to abandon this, but to keep at it and try to figure out what would work. And later on, what would work on a larger stage. Right. It's great evolution. Very, very good. I don't know who worked it out for him that this is something you should keep and you should do it this way and you should build this and that. I don't know who helped him or if anybody helped him at all, but whoever did or if it's him, what an excellent observation that this is something that's going to get over. No doubt. Oh, great. Okay, then from there, they do a whole bunch of work trying to get his hands out of his pocket. And when they do that, his glasses fall off of his head. And so as a result, because Gentleman Jervis is a gentleman, he goes and gets the glasses and puts them back on his head. A very cute, funny little spot. I loved it. And it's great because it's an accidental spot, right? Right, exactly. Like, like I think that's what makes it great. Right, excellent. There's a lot of little great stuff here. So after that, re- immediately after that, Gentleman Jervis goes for a drop toe hold. It's a drop toe hold that we've seen hundreds of thousands of times in a wrestling match that we haven't ever really thought about deeply. And so you just expect the guy to fall down and take a bump because it's a drop to hold. And Orange Cassidy fucking blows my mind to make me realize (laughs) if you make a 90-degree turn, you can just walk out of that and there's no damage whatsoever. (laughs) And he plays it off so nonchalantly. It is outstanding. I loved it. Yeah, he's great. Like he just, he's the king of creating these little spots Mm. that like he doesn't overdo it. Like I think when he first started, a lot of his matches had a lot of this. Okay. And and now you're seeing at this point where he's doing just enough of it 
mm-hmm. where it wor- it, it just works and especially works against Jervis. Right. It, it's a great matchup for him. Okay, then from there, we get uh, a couple of like shoulder tackle kind of stuff. And then, oh my God. So there are three great spots in this match. I, you know, I always mention this in our podcast. You get Omega and you get, uh, I don't know, like who's a great guy with Omega in the ring? Uh, Osprey. Osprey, right? Uh, we, and they do like all these fucking incredible, unbelievable things that are like, unimaginable like how the fuck did you do it and then they miss a small spot and it like ruins everything here everything is such nonsense that you know <laughs> like you if it's something's a little bit off it doesn't really matter but when something's good you remember it because it's good right like it's really good and the one of the, those great moments here is that Jervis goes off the ropes and <laughs> Orange Cassidy does a drop down and he just keeps rolling over as Jervis goes to the other side. And Jervis runs endlessly from side to side to side to side to side. Oh, my God. It is so fucking funny. The crowd's dying of laughter. And as Orange Cassidy is rolling over and over, he continually starts getting more and more tired and getting more and more lazy as he's doing it. It's great. I loved it. What would you think? Now, the only comparison is that horrible match with Shawn Michaels and Triple H where they have that goof match where right. he wins the belt. And, like, that didn't work at all for me. And this sure. works 110%. Right. If you do all stupidity and you're going all out for comedy, it works. But if you're a bunch of guys who are not known for comedy and you're known for, like, doing proper matches and then you work a comedy match out of nowhere, it doesn't make much sense. You know, like, Correct. it's just... Yeah, it, it it's almost as if you're belittling the work. And so I, yes. I yeah, agreed. Okay, then from there, they have one of the greatest spots in wrestling history ever. I can't Damn. Fucking, I can't fucking believe I'm saying it. It is one of the most clever, ingenious, intelligent, I don't know, three minutes of ring work I've ever seen in my life without explaining it. Jim, what are your thoughts on it? I think it's great. Like, I think that, like, these two guys, mm-hmm. if these two guys could have gotten to, to a major league, like, when I think of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, right? Sure. They had so much stuff in Ring of Honor and PWG, and they had this history, and they knew how to work each other, and they brought it to WWE, and they worked with them each other there. Like, I think if both these guys could have made it to a major they could have really done something as a team against each other. Like, and this spot makes me think that. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. And so what is a spot? So for those of you who are listening, first of all, go watch the match. It's on YouTube. You can get it. It's, it's available. But the spot is Gentleman Jervis's finisher, I guess, is to put people to sleep by holding them in his arms. And the rockabye rock- baby. Yeah, the rockabye baby. He rockabye. So you know what? That, that spot, is such a beautiful, clever spot, but it's out of character for a gentleman, right? Like, why would a gentleman do that, right? And so, like, uh, like conceptually, it's weird, but as a spot, it's great, right? If he could figure out a way, like, if he was, like, I don't know, the dream keeper or the dream, I don't know, <laughs> dream, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, if he could figure out a way to connect that better, I think it would go over more. Like, it would get over way more. Yes. But with that said, he holds the guy in his arms like a baby and he rocks them to sleep. And so he rocks Orange Cassidy to sleep. Now, Orange Cassidy falls asleep in the middle of a wrestling match, lays down, and Jervis goes for the pin. The commentators are in on this. 
The referee is in on this. The referee makes a silent count. The commentators lower the volume of their discussion. They go, one, two. And as they approach three, Orange Cassidy rolls over, puts his thumb in his mouth like a baby, and he hurls, <laughs> curls up in a fetal position. It's a fucking ingenious kick out. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. I'm beside myself laughing. Anybody can understand this. Then from there, Jervis standing over him. He gets caught up in a like a little small package kind of deal. And he also gets out with a silent count. And then Jervis goes under the ring, gets a pillow, gets a blanket, covers Orange Cassidy, makes it seem as if he's perfectly asleep, and then goes for the pin. It is just out fucking standing. Outstanding comedy wrestling. How would you rank this as one of the top things you've seen in wrestling in terms of comedy wrestling, Jim? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's gotta it's gotta be top three, right? Yeah, it's fucking great. Really great. There's my explanation does it no justice. If you really want to laugh, go watch this. Go watch this. It's so good. Then from there, okay, the action has to pick up at some point. So after the kick out, after the reversals, we get like a rush to the finish. Jervis does a stomp and he does a Russian leg sweep, a stomp, goes off the top. Misses the top. We have a bunch of roll-ups here and small packages and a sudden finish like Steamboat Savage. I'm not sure what the fuck the finish was. <laughs> but like right. yeah, but apart from the okay, the finish was okay. It was okay. It wasn't bad. But it didn't suit the rest of what was going on in the match. Right. They could have come up with a better finish, I think, considering how much, you know, or how excellent the rest of the match work was. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was quick. I don't know. I off the top of my head, I don't know what the finish should have been. Like a lot of right. times, I have I have one loaded, and right. I don't really have one loaded here. But like, mm -hmm. yeah, I I understand that finish. I wish it could have been something. the The problem is that what do you do, right? Like Orange Cassidy is also like a face, correct? So it's not like he could avert something dastardly. Mm -hmm. And then pin him with a roll up or something. There's, there's, it's a hard way to get there. Right. They're, both guys are faces. It's a little bit tricky. They, you know, I'm not sure what you could have done, but I think anything you could have done would have been better than this, right? It's, just, it's not a wrestling exhibition. These guys are great wrestlers. You could have put them in the ring and got them to do a real worked match, like a proper match, and that would have been a good finish. But for this match, that's not a good finish, I think. Right. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Six Man Podcast. You can tag in with a DM. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write to us at sixmanpodcast at gmail.com. For now, it's time to tag out. <laughs> <laughs>